0: Thank you, Praise Band, for that. And uh, just kidding. <laughs> oh, i always to do that. Um, so I'm very thankful tonight to actually be pulling double duty. Uh, when Pastor Scott asked me uh, about a month and a half ago, I didn't realize how fast it would come up. And, um, but I'm very thankful whenever I'm able to preach, and I'm thankful for the elders trusting me to open up the Word of God, and I thank you as a church family for trusting me to bring this to you when there's a million things we could be doing on a Wednesday night, but here we are as a church um, to enjoy worship and to enjoy His Word. So if you have your Bibles, if you would open to Matthew, chapter 25. While you're turning there, um, I'm going to confess something to you. You know, over the many years that uh, I've been here, I've struggled many times with, and maybe some of you are like this, but struggle with people-pleasing, um, there have been times in ministry where I've just wanted to do whatever I can to put a smile on people's faces and try not to disappoint them. And I look back at the disservice that I displayed to others by desiring their applause in kind words rather than a complete vessel being used for the glory of God. And uh, it was self selfish and that selfishness produces wrong motives in reasons for serving. And uh, you see, it's one thing to serve others, but when the motives are not pure, is it really serving or is it self promotion? And when when we adapt this attitude of self gratification, we can fall into the habit of looking at a church as a what have you done for me lately type of mentality. Well, what if Christ asked us the same question? Believer, what have you done for me lately? And uh, what are we doing to honor the Lord Jesus Christ with what he has given us? Are we abusing our gifts to suppress others? Are we pridefully boasting in them as if we deserve them? Are we saving them for ourselves? You know, the ultimate example that we have of this is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 20, he says that he did not come to be served, but to do what? But to serve and to give his life a ransom for many and we know who the many are, right? Many of us are in this room right now. It's us. It's, it's believers. It's the redeemed. It's the blood-bought sinners who have been called out to him for forgiveness of sins by the faith that he has given us. And being obedient to that calling that he's placed in our lives as believers will bring about a refining work of sanctification. And although it may cost you something, the reward will be given That will be given to you is very great. Very great. So tonight in the time that we have, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 through 30. Don't be afraid by all the verses. Um, This is a parable of the, the talents. And leading up to this passage, Jesus had been teaching the disciples many great truths about what it meant to follow him. We see in Matthew chapter 13 where Jesus is expressing in metaphors what the kingdom of heaven is like. For example, in verse 44, he says it's like a treasure. In verse 45, he says it's like a merchant seeking fine pearls. In verse 47, he says it's like a dragnet cast into the sea. We then see wonderful miracles being performed by Jesus. We see the 5,000 being fed from the, the two fish and the five loaves of bread. We see Jesus that he walks on water. We see how he healed a demon-possessed woman in chapter 15 of Matthew. And through all of this, Jesus was teaching his disciples and the people who followed him who he was according to scripture. And although he didn't need to, he was in essence proving himself to the multitudes. And then Jesus really gets into the teaching of these parables. So before we jump in, parables are defined as this, a simple story used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. The word parable is from the Greek word parabole, which means a comparison or an analogy. And Jesus actually taught 22 parables in the book of Matthew alone. In the book of Mark, he taught 10 of them. And also in the book of Luke, he taught 10 parables. And we know that when Jesus spoke, we should listen, right? So read along with me in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Verse 19. Now, after a long time the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the 5 talents came and brought 5 more talents, saying, "Master, you entrusted 5 talents to me. See, I have gained 5 more talents." His master said to him, "Well, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things, enter into the joy of your master." Verse 22, also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24, and the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathered. Where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reaped where I did not sow and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given. And he who will have an abundance, but from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness in that place where we'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want us to see uh, tonight three points that I have um, to give. The first one is God has given us a great gift. The second, God has given us a great responsibility and the third, God has promised us a great reward. But before we continue, let's, let's pause and pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, I do pray that you would now just uh, give me strength, Lord. Give me wisdom according to who you are, not according to who I think I am, God. I need your help. I depend on you, Father. Lord, I just pray that as your word goes forth, that it would um, not be turned void, Lord, may we be encouraged in your word to to serve one another, because you have served us. In your name we pray. Amen. So we see the first point here. God has given us a great gift. And let's define what talents were in that time. You see, talents were a measure of weight in currency. And so, for instance, many scholars believe that an estimated talent would be worth about $600,000. So... For the sake of illustration, let's break this down. One talent is $600,000. Obviously, two talents is $1.2 million. Five talents would be $3 million. So why does that matter? It matters because the man who went on his journey, we see in this, if, if you didn't pick this up, the man represents Christ. And the slaves in the parable represent believers or followers of Christ. And we see here that no servant's stewardship given from the master was insignificant. From the smallest talent that was given was a large amount. It's important to remember that as we continue through tonight. Now, what I love about parables that Jesus presents to us is that they're presented in a way that our minds can comprehend. Right? Isaiah 55, 8 says, tells us that God's thoughts are much higher than ours. And praise the Lord for that. They don't even compare. They're not even close. So look at, look at verse 15 here. It says, it says this. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And then he went on his own journey. Now the word ability here is translated in the Greek as dunamis, which means power or capabilities. And the master knew what each slave's abilities or capabilities were. He didn't have to ask for permission from them to give them to him. Now this resonates the same with us. Right? God doesn't have to ask us permission for anything. And yet so often we think that we, he has to ask us for things, right? Like, Heyward, if it's okay with you, let's continue, you know, here at the church. You know, Christ doesn't ask our permission because he's the one that grants us everything that we have. Our gifts and our abilities come from and... Begin with and finish with him. We can see that many times this causes division in the church because it begins and produces an aspect of jealousy in the church. Why don't I have what they have? Especially when it comes to gifts. I hear many times um, specifically, you know, Hayward, man, I just wish I could sing like you or I think many times I wish I could play like Andrew Yancey or, you know, I wish I could deal with kids like so-and-so or turn knobs and do sound like Troy up there. You know, whatever it is, like I wish I could do those things. And whether it comes to teaching, maybe sports abilities, whatever it is. And we see this all the time. And Christians have a, we have a temptation to have to fight against jealousy in these things. And we have to understand, church, that we are one body. Right? We are one body here for one function to produce worship for one person. It is Christ alone. This is not my church. This is not Pastor Scott's church. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for this church. So what we do together as a church is many people coming together for one purpose, to glorify the one true one who is worthy of it. Right? I am not worthy of worship. You are not worthy of worship. There is one worthy of it. Worship, as a matter of fact, means worth-ship. is only one that worship should be given to, and it is him alone. And this is what they were missing in this. And we as a church, not just Riverbund, but the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is starting to miss that. Why are we here? 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says this, for even as the body is one and yet has many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. You see, God gives us exactly what we need to accomplish his purpose through our lives for his glory. Nothing more, nothing less. Perfectly given us to us. So, practically, how do we, let's look at this for a second. I want to, encourage us not to let the thoughts of envy divide a church. Let's not let envy and jealousy and all these things divide us as we serve one another in the church. I was um, just the other day talking to someone and I, and I, you know, someone mentioned to me like, it would not be the same if you weren't here. And, you know, I, I understand the sentiment, but man, that's, first of all, it's a heavy thing on me, <laughs> Because here's the thing, and I'm going to say this on camera to you, my church family. If this is the last time you hear me, believe me, this church will continue to thrive because it's God's church, right? God raises up men and women to continue to fill what he wants filled. This is what we have to see, right? We have been given different talents and gifts to pursue the glory of God in his church. So that he would be glorified, so that he would be lifted up. Why are we here? We're here to serve one another with the gifts that we've been given. Be thankful for what God has gifted each of us with uniquely, so that we would use it so the gospel would go forth and proclaim to all the earth. I can't do what many of you do. I just can't do it. (laughs) I don't have the patience to park people in the parking lot. I'm just going to be honest. I spent last Wednesday night after I led worship in here, I walked down to the children's wing and did a devotion down there. I was in there for five minutes and I thought, what did I get myself into with little kids? So there's so many things I can't do. And I think, praise the Lord, many of you can do those things, right? My thumb. I can't walk on my hands. I, I just can't do it. Many people can't. I can't. My hand is here for a purpose, right? My feet are there for a purpose. My ears are here to hear. My nose to smell. My mouth to speak. All of these parts of my body to do different functions. I need my hands to play different things on my guitar to strum. For my mouth to sing. For my hands to hit my pedals. My feet to hit the pedals up here. All for one purpose. The same as with the church. We are all different parts of the body of Jesus Christ. And yet many of us are not using our gifts and abilities to fulfill what God has called us to be as a church. Not everyone is a preacher. Not everyone can play an instrument. Not everyone is comfortable with kids, but we have been given a gift for God for the purpose of kingdom work. Are you happy in Christ, church? I'm asking you, are you happy in Christ? then shouldn't our actions in the church show it? Yes? Our actions should show what we love. For those of us that love sports, I love the Florida Gators. They're not doing great this year, but I'm sticking with them. Not as much as I did at the beginning of the season, but I'm sticking with them. But, man, you watch me in a football game, I'm fired up, right? Many people are fired up for many different things. And so often I think, Lord, if you could just give me a passion For your word, for your worship, for the love of your people, like I have a passion for the things of this world, man, my life would be so different. And I think many of us in this room can think of different things that we put where only God should be, right? And this is what's stifling our service to one another. How can we serve outside the church and our communities and reach people with the gospel when we aren't even practicing it in our own churches today? There is great freedom in serving for the glory of God. Galatians chapter five, verse 13 says this, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We can't treat the church like a sporting event where we just come as spectators, watching the starters on the, on the field get bruised and hurt and thrown around while we sit on the sideline and just wait for our, our turn to be called into the game. That's not how it works We should all be in the fight together, serving with the purpose of love because of the love that we've been shown and given through Jesus Christ. And so that leads us to what are we doing with these gifts? And point two, God has given us a great responsibility. Look at verse 16. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. So we see here that the one with two talents doubled what he had. The one with five doubled what he had. But the one with one talent, what did he do? He buried it. In those times, now, to bury money in valuable things was a responsible way to keep it safe. And it still happens today. Right, We put away money in places and you'll find when people move into a house, sometimes they'll demolish things and in a wall somewhere they'll find treasures or in a basement somewhere they'll find just artifacts. This is worth a bunch of money, right? We just put things away. Well, that's not how the Christian life should work. We've been given the greatest gift ever given to mankind. We're not told to just put it in our pockets or, or bury it somewhere or put it away for a rainy day. Church, today's the rainy day. When Christ died on a cross, from that day on has been the rainy day, has been the day to bring forth this message, this, this gift to the world. We're not called to put it away like a bushel under a, like to hide it. That's not what we're called to do. But now let's ask again that question, what are we doing? Now the man in this parable, Christ, trusted his servants with what was given them for the purpose of it being multiplied he never said, keep your talents safe. He never told them that. And too many times with our walk with the Lord, we think that way. We just want to be safe. We want to be comfortable, right? I'm good right where I am, Hayward. This is my section where I sit week after week. I'm comfortable. I like walking in, sitting down, having a meal, talking. I'm comfortable. I'll do whatever I can as long as it's Comfortable. Well, there's nowhere in the Bible where we're told where Christ says that to follow him, it's going to be safe or it's going to be comfortable. But I'll tell you where we're safe. We're safe in the arms of our heavenly father. We're safe under the authority of his sovereignty. Our light, our lives, our our love, our salvation is something not to be buried in this world in order to just play it safe. There's a lot of safe Christians right now doing whatever they want in the world. Because it's safe. It's easy to blend in. Well, here's the the news. We're not supposed to blend in. Christian, we're to be salt and light in the world. We're the called out ones, right? This is what Christ has called us to do. He didn't die so that we would be safe. He didn't lay down his life on a cross so we would be comfortable. Romans 12 6 says this since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Now, the older I get, the least or the less I exercise. I'm gonna be really honest. Um, I'm trying to more and more because I have a son, and I told myself I'm only gonna say my son one time in the sermon. There it is. I have a son, Isaiah. I love him. He's not feeling well. So son, one day you're going to see this. I'm talking about you. I want to keep exercising so I can keep doing stuff with my son, right? I want to stay active. I want my bones moving. If I don't, what's going to happen? I'm going to become sedentary, just sitting there, just kind of wasting away, right? How many of us are at that point already? Don't raise your hand. But some of us are at that place, right? Exercise is a chore. It's not the best thing to do. We don't like to sweat, Here's the thing. We're supposed to exercise as Christians. It's a discipline, right? They're spiritual disciplines. Is it easy to pray all the time? No. Is it easy to pick up our cross and follow him? No. Was it easy for them to just pick up their nets and stop what they're doing and follow him? No. But they did it. But we do it. Who sustains us? Not me. Christ sustains us in that. The hardships. The hardships knowing that the sovereignty of what he's taking us through right now is worth it in the end. We are to exercise what God has given us. We've each in this room, if you claim to be a believer of Jesus Christ, you have repented of your sins, you trust in him alone through faith in him alone, you have been given a talent. You've been given a gift that only he can give you. Are you, am I, exercising it to the fullest? Or are we sitting on the side watching everyone else exude energy. We have to be careful, church. Ephesians 4, 7 says, but grace has was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Listen, God will lovingly supply you with everything you need to be effective in these gifts and abilities to be given to other people. But there has to be a desire to do the work he's calling you to do no matter what the cost is. Now, Because we're all sinners, it's not always easy to deal with people, right? There's a lot of preachers I hear that say ministry would be easy if we didn't have to deal with people. And (laughs) the longer I'm here, the more I'm realizing that's kind of true in some ways. Um, But the only reason is because we're all sinners, right? We all have sinful tendencies. No one in this room is perfect, And I hope no one in this room claims to be perfect. When people say I don't like going to church because they're a bunch of hypocrites, amen. We are a bunch of hypocrites. Man, we should not claim to think we know everything or can do everything. Like, who am I to cast the first stone on you? And who are you to do that to me, right? Just this past Sunday, I was in the seminar with Pastor Paul over there for his last one. And he asked the question, you know, Hayward, you've been here for a long time. I've been here since... um, 1998, I've been at this church. <clears throat> and he asked, why, are, why have you been here so long? Like, what's kept you here so long? And the only answer I can always give every time is because it's Christ's church. And I can't imagine being anywhere else. Why would I want to try somewhere else? Like, why would I want to just try that? Right? It's not about money and prestige. And I'm going to be honest, church. Has that been offered to me in the past? Absolutely. I'll just be really honest. But when I sit and I think to myself, where do I want to raise my children one day? Where do I want to serve while I know the people of God want to jump in the fire together with me and I with them? And all I keep thinking was, why would I go anywhere else where it's right here? Do we have flaws? Yes. <laughs> Do things happen when the world says, how in the world can you go there? Sure. But here's the thing. Jesus Christ says, they're going to hate you. Why? Because they hate me. So if the world thinks that this is a weird place and that, you know, they preach Jesus. <laughs> I look at that and say, amen. Right? Right? Where else would we rather be as Christians than somewhere that will open the word of God and says, thus says the word, not thus says Pastor Scott or thus says Hayward Evans, but thus says Jesus Christ. What is he saying and how do we live our lives according to what he is saying? This is what it means. And this is what the master is telling the servants. I told you what to do. You did not do that because you thought what you thought was better. But again, God will lovingly supply us with everything we need to be effective. The servant with two talents was grateful to, to double what he had, right? The same with the one with five talents. I mean, he, they ran to, this, to the master and said, master, look what we've done. And the one with one talent, here's, here's the, the kicker here. And I think sometimes this happens in the church. Well, maybe I don't have enough and so I wasn't given enough. And the one with one talent probably thought he wasn't as significant as the others, right? So he buried it. We see that in verse 25 and he was afraid to go out and use what was given because maybe he didn't have enough to give. Church, let me, I want to encourage you with this as well. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When Paul says that if, if, God is for us, who can be against us? He has the right to say that. When we think about all that happened to him, and I don't think there's anyone in this room who has been shipwrecked, who has been beaten, who has been flogged, who has been in prison, right? I don't think anyone in here has. If you have, please catch me after the sermon because I'd love to hear your story. But Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain. Gain. What are we gaining? Well, there's a great reward coming, church. There's a great reward. Do not be afraid to use what God has given you so that the gospel would go forth. Why this leads me to the last point? It's because God has promised that there is a great reward. The joy-filled lesson that we see in this parable is that the servants were rewarded based on their faithfulness and not on their results. Let me say that one more time. They were rewarded on their faithfulness and not on their results. And Christian, this should bring us hope, right? You don't have to be on this stage. You don't have to be the one seen if anything, there are people behind the scenes in churches all over the place. There are those dying for their faith right now that we will never know their names, but they are given great rewards. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was sharing in Crossroads a story that I heard when I was at a SING conference a few weeks ago in Nashville. I was able to go to, and it talked about all of this going on in Afghanistan. And there was a family where the, the husband and the son came to know Christ. Um trusted in Christ, gave their life to the Lord, told the mom of the family, the mother of the son, the the wife of the husband, that woman went and told her father, so they came back to the home, and when they came back, they killed the father and the son for their faith. Now, we hear stories all the time about persecution, right? We hear about those who were being torn apart in the Roman Colosseums, Christians, mothers and fathers who were torn apart, kids torn apart in front of their their parents, right? And I hear that story and I'm like, man, that's horrible that happened so long ago. Church, this is happening now. This is happening now to our brothers and sisters. This is why we can't just sit on the sidelines and just wait for everyone else to do it. Here's the the thing, a lot of people are doing it and they're dying for it. So what stops the world from walking in that door right now and doing the same thing to us? Nothing but the grace of God. So here's the question, church. What if that happens? Right? What if God says... Satan, have you considered my servants at Riverbend Community Church? And God says, you can do whatever you want with them, but kill them. What happens then? What happens when the rubber meets the road, right? Because here's the thing, if we're not used to serving now and and producing our talents now and our gifts now to serve other people, we're not going to do it when persecution comes. We're not going to do it. We've got to stand up, church. The world thinks they've won. (laughs) And I laugh because it's funny to me. The world thinks they've won. Satan thinks he's won. He thinks there's a fight, right? Because here's why. There are churches everywhere that are taking that side. There are churches compromising. There are believers compromising, right? The gifts that God has given the church, I have given you my son in his blood, and yet you are burying it. And when you bury that, there is no more view of my son. There's no gaze of righteousness and holiness. And so our selfishness takes over. And so what we want is we want people coming in and feeling comfortable in the church. If this is preached how it should be preached, people should not be comfortable in a church in their sin. And I'm not saying we're judgmental church. I'm not saying we are legalistic in these things. But what I'm saying is if Christ is preached and if Christ is adored and magnified through his word, if we're in sin walking into a place like that, it should not be comfortable. But it should be a place of love. It should be a safe place for someone to walk in and say, I've got the same issue that everyone else in this room has, which is sin. Praise the Lord that I've been given this remedy in the hope of the gospel. Christ has given us these things. So whether you're serving in the church or serving at home or at work or at school for the glory of God, we should be doing it for the glory of him alone. You see, the master isn't looking for an auditorium filled with spectators. It's about being faithful disciples, doing the work that God has put before them and the spreading of the good news of the gospel. Here's the truth. People are dying and going to hell because they have not heard. And I know that hits home with many in this room who perhaps have unbelieving family members, loved ones, Maybe spouses, children. And when you think about the fact that all of mankind is condemned because of their sin. And that Romans 1 tells us that because of this, we are without excuse because of what God has made, right? Through creation, without excuse. And to think about the fact that everyone in this room... Just in this room alone, if you know Christ and we have the gospel, what an impact just people in this room could make for Ormond Beach, just our city, right? And then I think of like-minded churches in the area doing the same thing. And then we go beyond Ormond. We think about Orlando, Jacksonville, Florida. We go beyond Florida. We think of other states. We go beyond the United States because, again, just because we live in America doesn't mean that we're Christian America doesn't make us Christians. Christ does, right? So we have to remember that. Pray for those on the front lines, right? And then join them. We need to join one another in doing these things because there's a great reward. He's not looking for us to just sit by and watch it all happening. There are those dying in their sins, church. The gravity of that should put us on our knees. And we have a great message The talents and the gifts that are given in this parable. Because, you know, many people just think this is about money, right? Be wise with the money that you've been given. That's what a lot of people just think this is about, but it's so much deeper than that. This parable has so much deeper meaning than that. No matter the measure of talent that you've been given, and every born-again Christian has been given a talent, we need to exercise it faithfully so we will be rewarded. Both servants with the two and the five talents we see in this passage receive the same exact reward. Same exact. In verses 21 and 23, the master tells them the same thing. And man, I hope this is said of us, church. I hope that you hope this is said of you. Well done, good and what? Faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, But I will set you over much. You see, everyone wants a huge and vibrant ministry or a church to display how well they're doing things in the eyes of everyone else. But sometimes all it takes is a small, faithful, committed group of people to show what God is doing. To show what God is doing. The reward for that kind of work is beyond measure. To have the master say to us, well done, good and faithful servant, is enough. That's enough. But he doesn't end there. He says to the faithful servants, the greatest thing that can be said, enter into the joy of your master. The great reward we have set before us is that if you are faithful to this calling, there will be a day where we get to rest in the presence of our master. Now, again, we aren't looking towards, or again, we are always should be looking towards what's coming and not what's here. We say this all the time, church, but we're just passing through. (laughs) We're just, we're sojourners. The word of God says it, right? We're just passing through this life. This body is corruptible. It's decaying. It's a tent that is broken down and more and more it's broken down. Some of us in this room are broken down more than others, right? And it's okay. But there's a day that's coming, (laughs) right? But this is not going to matter anymore. In those days of busy ministry, faithful servants, where you were exhausted at the end of the day, where you don't think you can do any more sermon preps or seminary classes or school or go to work anymore and proclaim Christ or just be faithful to the calling that you have, all of that is going to be just short momentary afflictions compared to knowing what we have in Jesus Christ. That's what it's going to look like. We look to what's coming There's a great feast waiting for those who have faithfully served with what God has given us. And I've heard this many times in ministry, that as Christians, we are going to rest when we die. That's when we rest. When God takes us home, there's our rest, right? And the master shows it right here. Now, I want to encourage us all tonight not to be like the servant in verse 24, because look at verse 24. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathered where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. So you have what is yours. You see, the servant used excuses. He presumed upon the master's love that the work would just get done, even though he was entrusted with the tools to go out into the harvest for the master." We need to put away excuses, church. The world isn't making excuses for Satan because in their eyes, their sin is justified and the ruler of this world is winning. So why should the world take the message of the gospel seriously when the church isn't taking the message of the gospel seriously? The master will accept no excuses. And in verse 26 through 30 shows us what happens when we're doing things in our own power and for our own glory Those who are not using their talents for the master will be cast into utter darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, genuine faith produces genuine expressions of outward fruit for the glory of God alone. And those who choose to honor themselves will not enter into the master's rest, but will spend eternity apart from him. And Jesus ends this parable the same way he ends the parable in Matthew 22 where he speaks about the marriage feast. Because in Matthew 22, verse 13, he says, Then the king said to the servants, Bind his hand and foot and throw him into utter darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called and few are chosen. You see, there are many who have heard and will hear the calling of repentance by God through the proclamation of the gospel, but few are chosen. The called is a general call to all to repent and turn to Christ alone for salvation. But those who are the elect of God, the chosen, do not reject this calling and willingly follow Christ because of his glorious bringing us to himself by his wooing through redemption because of the finished work on the cross. The more we understand the precious nature in which we have been given gifts and talents, not for our name's sake, but for his sake to be made great, we will want to serve others. We will want to serve with a loving and cheerful heart. So, as I close, I want to I try to encourage you all, no matter where you are, no matter if you're the newest believer in this room, or you're a seasoned believer, we've been given a great gift that bears a great responsibility, but it will bring a great reward. And that reward is being in the presence of God forever. There is much to be done, church family. And practically thinking, there's many ministries available for us to be a part of. And I didn't mean for this to be like a, a, big, a sermon just to um, be a, a commercial, but it just kind of turns out to be that. <laughs> because we're about to go to one service. And what that means is a lot of us are going to see people again for the first time in a while. <laughs> you have no idea how many times I see people in between services, and I'm like, how long have you been here at Riverbend? Oh, two years. What? Um, I can't wait to just, man, selfishly, I can't wait to just hear the praises of all of us in one room. But with that comes a great responsibility for all of us to be all hands on deck. Right, church? There's a lot of people, or I'm sorry, there's a few people doing a lot of things, and we hear this all the time. And And I'm not speaking of myself at all. I hope you don't think I'm thinking of myself, but there's a lot of people That you'll see everywhere around the room. I love that I get to work with young adults in this church, Crossroads, because if you walk around any corner of this building, usually on a Wednesday or Sunday, you're gonna see them serving. And they don't serve because they're single. And, And let me encourage you, church, for this as a little plug please don't think because they are single they should be serving because of that reason. We're called to serve because we're Christians right? And I tell them all the time, just because I have a ring in my finger doesn't mean I'm any more significant than them. I've given the same amount of grace and mercy that they have. And you know what allows them to serve? Because they see Christ in their life and it want, they want to serve willingly. It's why whenever many of you ask them to serve, just like that, they're like, yeah, I'll serve. I have to actually say don't serve so much. <laughs> because we want others to experience the joy of what it means to serve other people. So if you aren't serving, serve. Find a place to serve, right? If you don't know how to do tech ministry, hey, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of cameras around this room with a lot of money invested. We want to learn how to use them better. Serve there. If you, want to, if you know how to do an instrument or sing, come talk to me. If you love kids, if you have a bunch of kids, believe me, they need help all the time. We have a great ministry on Monday nights called Project Warm, where there are women every week being poured into. Ladies, jump into that ministry. I've been able to go there a few times to lead worship with them. It's one of the greatest joys of my life. Because here's a, a group of women who many of them think there's no hope for them left. And when you see them open up the word of God, which we take selfishly because we hear it every week, and they're thinking to myself, you mean there is hope for me? Man, serve. Find ways to serve. And then as a church, let's find ways, church, to walk outside these doors and infiltrate Ormond Beach for the gospel's sake. Right? Let's find people that don't know what we know. Let's find people that don't look like what we look like and give them this message of hope. Let's not bury it under a bushel. That's not why we are here. I could go on and on, but there are many ways to find ministries. And let me encourage you to serve. Don't be afraid like the master said. Don't make excuses for what God has given us. Please don't. Be faithful to one another. Be faithful to what Christ has called us to do. It's a great calling that God has put in our life. Because we've been given a great gift. We've been given a great responsibility. And the outcome of being faithful is the great reward that's coming, that awaits us in the presence of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the Beginning, and the End He is the great I am. He is everything that we could imagine and more. And there is a day that he is going to come back. And he's not coming for uh, the, the, the ones who just heard. He's coming for the few, the chosen, who were faithful with what he had given them. And he's going to say to them, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and rest in the presence of your master. I gave you a little, and you took it and made a lot. And that lot is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do not be ashamed of this, church. Let us not be ashamed. Let's run the race hard. Until either Christ comes home, or he calls us home. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's, Let's pray. Father, just jumping into this parable was so convicting to me, because... Because I do think sometimes, why aren't more people doing more? And I have to catch myself and think, who am I (laughs) to think I deserve anything? And so, Lord, I am humbled tonight. I'm humbled, first of all, that you allow me to even understand even a fraction of your word. Lord, I'm humbled that you would, by your sovereign grace and mercy, before the foundations of this world, think of me. Specifically, Hayward Evans: "Call me by name. While I was dead in my trespasses and sins, you called me, and with that calling you gave me gifts and talents. Singing is not my gift and talent, God. That's not. Lord, the gifts and talents that you've given each one of us is your your gospel, God. And so how do we exercise that? Well, it's through worship. It's through serving in children's ministry. It's through going out and serving those in the the highways and the hedges, Lord. It's going to the widows. It's going to the sick. It's going to the homebound members, God. It's going to where we are not comfortable. And so help us, Lord, to not be comfortable where we are. Because we will rest when we die. (laughs) And what a glorious day that will be. So Lord, thank you for these dear friends being attentive and listening to this foolish vessel tonight, Lord. I pray that this word has been encouraging, Lord, that it will penetrate hearts that it needs to, including my, my own, Lord. Be with our pastor as he's away, Lord. Give him, give him safe travel as he comes back this week, as we can all join back together Sunday morning, Lord. And, Again, just be with these dear people. Give us safe travel tonight, Lord, and give us good rest tonight. And as we go on the mission field tomorrow, God, may this message of hope be in our lips and on our minds so that we would not be ashamed of the talents you've given us. In your name we pray. Amen.